Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur, and he's ringing out the old, bringing in the new. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Hey, fella. How's How it going? Feeling? How was your uh, Merry Christmas? Oh, it was swell. It was uh, it was full of all the eggnog you could drink. I just heard a story that proper eggnog could kill you with salmonella. Is that a real thing? I feel like anything can kill you in 2020, to be honest with you. So, you know, you just got to take your swings and see what happens, but, you know? But is that, is that, I mean, I've seen eggnog in like, uh, you know, like milk containers and stuff like that. But when you're making it fresh at home, do you actually use raw egg? Is that part of an eggnog? I got to be honest with you. I've never made it myself. I've just okay. kind of consumed it in like a, like uh in like a punch bowl. Yeah, I think I you've know. had a high probability of getting salmonella every year, as far yeah. as I know. <laughs> oh, good for you. It's worth it. I got to come clean to the tune-up audience. I feel like <gasps> a fraud. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel please, please. major fraudulency here. So, you know, on the radio... Clean yourself yes. in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> on the radio show, on Sirius, we do this segment where, where we talk about the best thing that we've done each and every week. And mm -hmm. to be honest with you, I haven't been truthful. I've been portraying this persona of this wild <laughs> boy just out here in these COVID streets, throwing yeah. caution to the wind, the complete opposite of the persona that I do on, <laughs> on, on this podcast. So as, as, as someone that's spent a decent amount of time on stage, do you applaud me taking the Howard Stern approach to my life on radio is different than my life off of it? Or should I just be the same person all the time? Uh, no, I like it. Yeah? <laughs> different things work for different people. Like, like I know not to play characters because I don't do well at it, you know? Yeah. I have to come from a place of sincere authenticity or else it, it, it means nothing. Right. But that's not to say I don't appreciate a performer. Let me use this reference. Yeah. So it's like... Uh, when you get up to a stadium level band, mm -hmm. you know, there are some bands, say like a Foo Fighters, who are just, that's what you get. Mm -hmm. Six dudes on stage, here's our songs, we're going to blast you with them, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, some people need a little pepper in their show. You need some lights, you need some uh, gimmicks, <laughs> you know, maybe um, put some of your fans in one of those rolling hamster balls and throw them out in the crowd. So I think there's a time and a place for entertainers. And especially if you're on Sirius, like, who gives a shit? Fuck it. Like, <laughs> if you got to play a character, get some love on there. Yeah. So I approve. But I also, I applaud you for coming clean and, and giving me your admission. <laughs> Thank you, Denny. That's big of you. Oh, you're welcome. You know, I'm trying to leave all of the, the indiscretions and past selves in 2020 where they should be. Anyway... Speaking of Stadium Acts, I know this podcast is on the way to being it, but we're going to touch on that in this day in music history. And I went, I went more contemporary than I normally do because the story was just so interesting to me. Yeah. So the artist Azalea Banks. Okay, yeah. In 2016, admitted to sacrificing chickens in her closet for witchcraft. Wow. Now, she first surprised people with the confession of her witchcraft. Uh, she admitted she'd been practicing for three years, and in a series of Instagram videos showed how she cleaned the room she'd been using for apparent animal sacrifices. This is her quote. 
the amount of crap that's about to come off my floor right now, guys. Oh, my God. You know I got to scrape all this shit up. I've got my sandblaster and my goggles. It's about to go down. She told her followers of the hard work needed to clean up the room. She said, real witches do real things, she unashamedly declared. So apparently, this artist was in her closet and in an effort to practice witchcraft, was sacrificing chickens inside of it. <laughs> now, last year, a pop author named Alex Kazemi uh, told a publication that um, he once asked uh, Azalea Banks for some advice when he considered taking up witchcraft. And according to him, the rapper suggested that he uses snake blood for a spell. And she said that, uh, why don't you just go down to the river find a garter snake, cut it, and use its blood. Now, this is a lot a lot to unpack. I didn't really know about this artist before I stumbled across this story. But there's something as a you know 25-year-plus vegetarian that, that, that made me think. Well, first off, it made me think of uh, uh, Pedro Serrano from the film Major League um, and then bringing him a bucket of chicken so he didn't have to sacrifice one in the... Uh, in the locker room. But the thing I always find funny about this is she took a lot of shit. Mm. You know what I mean? All of a sudden you're getting jumped on by PETA. You're getting jumped on by all these like animal rights activists. And as someone who's been an animal rights person, maybe not an activist for as long as I have, I, you know, I don't really care. And I really think like people pick and choose their fury as far as this goes. You know, she's killed what? maybe half a dozen chickens in her closet. No. There's actually like a religious thing she's trying to do to it. She was trying to take its blood and use it for, you know, some sort of rituals to keep her father safe and this. And then, you know, okay, go to a river and kill a snake to use its blood. Like all these things, people go nuts after her. And, and, you know, they uh, leave a Tyson chicken plant in the middle of Iowa. That's like literally like subjugating you know, a hundred thousand chickens to this awful life and pulling off their beaks and like all this shit and nobody bats an eye, but this lady slaughters a couple chickens in her closet and everybody goes crazy. So I say Azalea Banks, you do your thing. Keep plucking feathers, whatever you gotta do to survive. This is a truly interesting story from music history, isn't it? That was an interesting tapestry by you, by you know, giving people a little taste be like I'm this punk rock guy, but I'm also a vegetarian. That story right there was you in a nutshell. That was unbelievable. Oh. Like like weaving everything in and out. <laughs> You're like, am I on this side? Am I on that side? That's what we no, call it in the business jumping each side of, of, of the stick. Bravo. Bravo. We're good today, huh? Oh, I love it. All right, Benny, my question for you, and I can bring this up on this next This Day in Music History so apparently in 2010, Pulsar reported that Bon Jovi, that's right, Jersey's own beat out ACDC, U2, and Metallica as the highest grossing touring act in 2010. Wow. Now, I, I wanted to use this as kind of a springboard for our conversation. Would you rather be the highest grossing touring act or have the most record sales of all time? Oh, that's so easy. I mean, if you it's own be your records act, right? and you're getting paid on record sales, you just fucking sit on your throne <laughs> and collect money, you know? Like, it just comes, it just pours. I wrote this song 
40 years ago, and it just continues to fill my coffers when I get to do whatever I want. But I got to say, that might be a unique perspective for me because some people truly cannot live without the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they need that aspect of the road to feel fulfilled, to validate their music. They need that back and forth on any given night. So it really is a, a very uh, subjective question. But for myself, I think it would be a lot of fun to write a couple hits, sit back, and do something else, you know? Wow. I really wasn't expecting you to go that way. I, th I thought you were going to take the approach... Man, it means more that they actually leave their house. Because why would anybody leave their house? Well, like pre-COVID, why would anybody leave their house? <laughs> now all anybody wants to do is leave their house. But I, I would have thought that it went would have meant way more that they left their house, they found a babysitter, whatever they needed to do, came out, saw you, and that more people did that for you than any other band. I thought that would have been a lot cooler for you. Yeah, and you said I'm full of surprises <laughs> tonight, huh? <laughs> Danny, yeah. did you know that the Community Food Bank of New Jersey needs our help this year? Hmm. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, they're on track to distribute food for over 80 million meals this year. 66 million meals last year, 80 million meals this year. Uh, every $10 you donate to the Community Food Bank of New Jersey provides 30 nutritious meals. Only $10 provides 30 nutritious wow. meals, enough to feed your neighbor and enough to feed them for a full day we have a donation link it's cfbnj.org backslash the tune-up 2020 you can go there give anything you can and uh these people are professionals and they know how to stretch this money farther than you do so give them a couple bucks and they know how to how to make the best of it denny are you going to give this year oh of course benny like you said these people have been doing this for 45 years. That's incredible. That's quite the career. That's almost as long as Tom Brady's been playing football. <laughs> and 22% of everything that they give out is fresh produce. So just unbelievable. It's healthy. It's helping people. What else could you do this holiday season? Especially today, it's Giving Tuesday. Happy holiday to everybody. Go to the link below, cfbnj.org slash the tune-up 2020 and help some people out. Yeah, skip, skip out on Tuesday night's night uh, White Claws <laughs> and, and give us the money, okay? Well, in a year that was full of surprises, 2020, that's to make its way on out the door, making way for the year 2021, which we hope will be a lot better. But before 2020 says goodbye, we want to give you the tune-ups, top 10 stories of 2020. We both picked our five favorite stories from the year, giving it to you right here. So, Benny, because you're here and I'm here and people come for you, what is your fifth or our tenth story of 2020? Okay, well, first caveat, right? Yeah. These aren't necessarily my favorite stories. Okay. Because not, a, not all of them are fun. Right. The top stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. But some are top and some are important and some are worth mentioning. I also think we should put the caveat out there that we will not be discussing COVID in this yeah, segment, right? Because COVID is kind of like the wiffle ball pitcher, as I explained it to you in the text, like, like all-time yeah. pitcher. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's yeah, it's like blaming a storm for rain. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck are you going to do? So I want to start with something, you know, is near and dear to my heart, Yeah, which is space. 
And I'm going to put a couple of them together because I have a couple great stories about space. First off, I want to give SpaceX and NASA some credit for combining forces and sending astronauts back up to space again. It was a huge uh, achievement for both private industry mixed with uh, NASA, getting people back up there. We've basically been hitching rides from Russia to get our people up to the space station for over a decade. And uh, I was happy to see it. I think it was a huge uh, advancement for the American space program, which I'm actually a pretty big fan of. Uh, secondly, a Chinese space probe successfully returned to Earth with samples from the moon. Now, the cool thing about that is they collected them from the near side of the moon, and it's the first time moon samples have been returned to Earth in nearly 50 years with brand new moon samples and a million new ways to try to study said moon samples. Oh. So I think we're going to learn a lot about space, where we come from, and also we're getting a lot closer to people having uh, basically their own stations on the moon. So before me and you were old people, uh, Elon Musk taxi is probably going to be taking people <laughs> to some uh, sort of bistro hotel up on the moon. Who knows what's going to be going on up there? But I love the advancement. So my first, uh, my first nod for this year is, uh, is space. I got to wonder about these whole space communes, are they? Congregations, communities, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. What is the weather going to be like there? Like, are we going to have these like biodomes where you can just like live and it's going to feel like Southern California all the time? Or are we going to have to brave the elements? Because, Benny, I don't like to brave the elements of winter in New Jersey. I uh -huh. no way I'm doing this whole NASA uh, Mars situation. Like, essentially, if you move there, it's going to be like you're signing up for the rest of your life of quarantine. I mean, oh, we'll see what happens if people are actually going up there and, <laughs> and what the deal is going to be. I did hear uh, Elon Musk talking about people living on Mars, and he said that all you have to do is heat the planet. And they're like, oh, how do you do that? He's like, oh, just drop nuclear weapons on each pole. So, you know, it's it might be a long way until this happens. Off to a great start on Mars. Eh, just yeah. nuke it. <laughs> yeah, just nuke the poles. I know, I know. But <laughs> the thing is, Denny, you know, part of the reason people are looking into this is, you know, after a while, you may not have a choice to go to the moon. And, and there are a lot of people who would contest that it is uh, much more conceivable and less expensive to build human colonies on the moon than to try to save Earth. Elon Musk taking the college student leftover food approach to interplanetary <laughs> travel. Just nuke it. It'll be fine. 30 seconds warm in the up. microwave. Goodness Just gracious. warm it up. All right. Well, because I thought we were going on our favorite stories of 2020, I picked my fifth favorite story of the year, and it happened relatively recently. Giannis re-signing with the Bucks. Shocker to everybody in the audience that I went with a basketball story for... Rot worse for everyone. I think that this is a, and since we've just finished the decade of player empowerment, which has, you know, guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, have allowed these these next generation of guys to make the decision of where they want to play their basketball. Um, it's nice to see a guy not pick a major market, pick the team that drafted him. So I don't know if this is a one-off, but I certainly hope it's something that we're going to see down the line, like Luka stay in, in Dallas or whoever else is next stay in with the team that drafted them rather than try to join 
the Lakers or the Celtics. I mean, regardless of how this pans out, it's an absolute coup for the city of Milwaukee. Right. I mean, prior to a few years ago, we've joked about it before. The major coup in Milwaukee was signing Greg Monroe <laughs> to a three-year contract. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, trading for guys like, you know, Drew Holiday and re-signing uh, guys like Giannis to Supermaxes and actually, you know, uh, building a team that people in that city can be excited about for, for a decade. I'm sure there was a lot of people still burned by Kareem in the 70s. And yeah. Uh, so, so I think it's good for Milwaukee, and I think uh, the day it happened, there were Milwaukee's bests and bratwursts <laughs> thrown onto the street in celebration. You know what hurt my feelings a little bit, though? When CC Sabathia goes on his podcast that he does with our buddy Ryan Rucco and is like, uh-huh. he fucked up. CC yeah. has a decent amount of history with Milwaukee, with the Brewers. To tell a guy like that, be like, he should have got out of there. It's like, hey, man, you had your choice. You made your choice. Let this guy live, man. Like, don't I mean, don't throw daggers at the city of Milwaukee because you feel oh, some kind of way. I, I, I don't know if he feels more some kind of way or he's being realistic because... I mean, it's a pretty solid chance Giannis fucked up. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, as far I, I, as far as he didn't fuck up because, you know, a guy who was an immigrant in Greece who was, you know, doing uh, selling things on the streets to feed his family just signed a quarter billion dollar contract. Right. So he certainly didn't fuck up. Yeah, because he's doing fine and he's still a marquee player. But if his end goal is championships, many championships, yeah, uh, some kind of legacy like that. Yeah, he might have fucked up. That's certainly a possibility, but that would have been a possibility wherever he went. So. That's true. Just a larger possibility. <laughs> uh, <laughs> big market Benny over here. All right, Benny, what's <laughs> what's your next story? All right, this one we just have to. I mean, it feels like a million fucking years ago now because of the year we had. We don't have to get too into it. But Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, oh. January twenty sixth. Woke up that morning, shocked a lot of fucking people. It was uh, a wake-up call. It was uh, one of those times where something was so ingrained in your day-to-day narrative. You were expecting this this large life from from not only Kobe but his daughter, and uh, and and taken away too soon. So that 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 story really shook me. It shook a lot of people, and I think it uh, kind of gave a lot of people that that you know life is precious mm. respect it every single day because you know you might wake up and and they they left a, a hell of a legacy behind so give it up for kobe on that one be sure to go back and listen to the episode we had beck on after that everything yeah, went down right. and, and he covered him for years that was just a great conversation it was. we talked about it a, a little bit so be sure and go back through the archives and, and check that out but yeah i feel like the further that we get away from it gosh it that doesn't even seem like this year but no. it, it it just feels like the significance of that is only getting bigger i mean uh the, the lakers managed to win their 17th championship and some would say in kobe's honor and it was a bittersweet year for los angeles you know all of the lockdowns lakers win the championship they lose kobe as if he wasn't an omnipresent figure over the Lakers before, that kind of is going to linger 
in kind of the same way, you know, like Thurman Munson has kind of lingered over mm. the Yankees. But like, imagine if Thurman Munson was synonymous with winning, yeah, like he was. So Kobe will be missed. Definitely one of the more important stories of 2020. That's a perfect segue into my next most important story of 2020 is the fact that LeBron won his fourth ring, and now the team that they've assembled this offseason, ring number five, is right there to be had. I see no reason why they can't get it, though the Nets may be more of a challenge than we initially anticipated. I think that you know LeBron winning his fourth ring, I already mentioned what that meant to the city of Los Angeles. I think that that ring... If it doesn't beat the Cleveland ring in terms of what it means to the NBA, I think it's definitely 1B. Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely enormous, and it starts to uh, it, it quickly balance the conversation of of Jordan and LeBron and uh, what that might mean to the to the landscape. But it, it truly is incredible, and I think one of the coolest things it's a testament to is LeBron's changing of the game right Mm. because 20 years ago lebron never would have even been a los angeles laker right he never even would have made it there and he's the one who really took that player empowerment you know decided hey every team i go to it's championship or bust every year and if i don't see a championship in that future i'm out of here and going where i'm going to get one Mm. and uh you know someone like him who's as, as good as he is who brings the playoffs and brings championships or at least championship potential every everywhere he goes uh it totally changed the landscape of the league and now you have another lakers dynasty yeah. coming up you know you have anthony davis and his prime getting better and better playing with him lebron seems to be more than happy to take small steps back year to year and start handing him the keys while palenka continues to to stock this roster around them and uh yeah, as you said, there's no reason to think number five isn't incredibly doable. But uh, another thing that should be mentioned about the championship is how it was done, mm, right? The bubble. The COVID, you know, it's yeah. the bubble championship. It's the maybe the most unique NBA championship that has mm. ever existed for a number of reasons. And LeBron showed his dominance not only in the normal world, but also <laughs> this bubble matrix world. The guy's a fucking robot. You could mm. put him anywhere. You could put him on Mars, Denny. Yeah. You blow up the poles and he'll still win a championship <laughs> there. And you could e- even argue that LeBron may be mentally the most locked in and mentally strong athlete ever because it was a big Same. part of uh, another big story of this year, The Last Dance, how Jordan took time off. LeBron's been doing this straight, switching up the teams. And you got to wonder, just as like kind of a side conversation, if t- to last this long, do you think switching up the teams for LeBron has made it interesting? Kind of like when you're playing 2K and and you know you've had a lot of success with like one team, and you're like, <laughs> I want to go start over and rebuild completely. All right, why you think he's gonna go choose another one? Maybe I he's mean, a Milwaukee Bucket team. No, no, no. Huh? Come on. <laughs> I've already said previously this year that I thought that the Warriors were the option, but he kind of sealed that down a couple of weeks ago, signed that long extension with the Lakers. But it's just interesting how he's kind of made – it used to be the players reported to the GM. Since LeBron, mm-hmm. the GM can collaborate with the superstar, and he's changed that entirely. That's a fact. So this one, again, 
It's not space. Yeah. Because it came here to Earth. The United States Department of Defense officially released <laughs> three short videos showing unidentified aerial phenomena, which is a new name for UFOs. Uh, and in a statement dated April 27th, the videos were taken by Navy pilots in 04 and 05 and been circulating since they leaked in 07 and 17. I don't know if you saw these videos. I do. They are definitely aliens. <laughs> They're definitely spaceships. And if this was any other year, this would have been like massive coverage. People would have been losing their minds, Independence Day style, you know, <laughs> jumping on top of buildings, a sign saying, welcome, welcome. <laughs> but, you know, because it was the COVID Trump year where everyone had to live in a matrix, they just kind of slipped this into the news without anybody noticing too much. But those videos are fascinating. And uh, I think more and more we're getting proof of the fact that we are not alone. There's some funky stuff going on. And if they're not aliens, it means <laughs> humans are up to some massively weird shit that we know nothing about and is probably going to kill us all. So I actually almost hope it's aliens. Because if those spaceships were human inventions, uh, we're fucked. And the craziest part about that is the Trump administration came out and was like, yeah, UFOs are real. A yeah. Aliens are real. And people didn't believe him. And I like I like even saw like like people like Colbert like asking Obama when I interviewed him on the book tour, yeah. are aliens real? He was like, I can't tell you that. That's a big part of 2020, misinformation, but we're not gonna get in into that. But it's amazing. That's certainly high up on the list. Aliens hundred percent real between that and, and the findings uh <laughs> from like the Berkshires of you know, like the people talking of that encounter from nineteen sixty nine, mm -hmm. that's been confirmed this year. So honestly, maybe maybe the greatest year that like the whole alien theory and all that stuff has had since the sixties. And it hasn't been talked about. So That's right. Good job by you. <laughs> Tom DeLong had a nice year. <laughs> All right, Benny, my next story on the list is the drive-in concerts and comedy shows. Um, you know, the, the, this was a big part of 2020. It didn't make as much headway with bands and, and music and stuff like that, but comedy had a huge year in 2020. Dave Chappelle kind of spearheading mm -hmm. his whole camp out environment in yeah. Dayton, Ohio. Joe Rogan kind of doing the same thing in, in Austin, Texas. Comics taking drive-in movie theaters by storm, putting out a lot of the best work, trying to make sense of these crazy times and the ways that only comics can do it. So for me, the drive-in comedy slash music of 2020, that's going to be something that I remember for a long time. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and it is important, especially you mentioned the Chappelle stuff. I mean, they're Every time he does one of those things, especially from his backyard yeah. and the way he's doing it, feels like it has some weight to it, you mm. know? Uh, it feels like something that's almost going to be potentially like uh, a time capsule. Like, like it's going to be the thing uh, that people culturally go to when they're looking back at this situation can be some of that stuff. So, yeah, I think you're right. It, it was very impactful. And it's amazing to me how it feels like each and every year that goes by, celebrity and fame, as it becomes, quote-unquote, more accessible to people, it kind of loses some of the weight. So to see things like 
that and you know comedians show up on SNL and make these things that everyone's talking about. You get less and less stuff that everyone's talking about in this age of social media. So so to see stuff carry weight like that in the age of the internet is super hard to do, and that that makes it super important. For me, uh, this I feel very remiss to let this go without mentioning would be the Black Lives Matter movement mm. and what happened. Um, you know, highlighted and circulated videos of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor's story kind of seemed to to come all in a in a wave, and and it shook the country, it shook the world, and it led to the rise in the Black Lives Matter protests. I'm not sure where in the end this will be put because it's causing ripples of movement for generations to come but as usual you know the powers that be did everything they could to strip this movement of its momentum to you know um belittle the people at the top of it which they you know normally do when something comes and is a threat to power but it took root and it's going to change things forever and uh I feel like, you know, we we grew up seeing uh, images of, uh, you know, 1965, what happened before the Voting Rights Act, what happened in the cities in America. And those images have always stuck with me. You know, the, there's a lot of people, you know, my father being one of them who contest the those first images of people being sprayed with hoses and beaten by police. And the first time that those were public change the american narrative and i feel like we were in our own version of 1965 where uh something uh super impactful happened mm. people made it happen and it changed the course of how uh culture is going to address this issue moving forward um so as scary and sad a lot of it was when it was going on um it's incredibly vital and uh, in the end, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it happened. Go back and listen to episode 39 that we did right after all of this stuff happened. You know, it's so interesting with, with this new ad administration coming in, how they handle the promises of the summer. Mm -hmm. And if the same voices that were calling for justice continue or if they're subdued by the political system of, of the country like we've seen in, in the past. So if anything, I I think we've made a decent amount of, of progress, but it's really going to be see where this next administration stands on all of these issues. You know, it's one thing to tweet about it. It's another thing to make policy about it to happen. Right. But it's definitely, I think, it's more of a subject that is, you know, talked about regularly. So... Good job by everybody in, in involved. We're still talking about it at the end of the year, and you know it hasn't escaped our mind and our consciousness, so let's keep it rolling. My uh, second-to-last story here is the finalization of the Fox-Disney merger. It happened this year. It happened the beginning of 2020, which is an unbelievable thing, mm -hmm. and... You know, we've already seen how important that turned out, out to be, especially with movie theaters closing. Now Disney has all this content on the streaming service, yeah. releasing movies exclusively on the streaming service, which we predicted when we talked about this in entire right. thing. So a monumental deal in hindsight even now, 
looks a lot bigger. You know, maybe maybe Fox could have survived if they knew that that this was coming, building up their own streaming service. But Disney has not only their entire back catalog and now this, and I think with you know the Marvel universe continuing to expand, and you see some of these like uh, independent films of Fox Searchlight and all that stuff has made really Disney Plus right up there with Netflix and HBO Max as the go go to place to try to watch movies. I still got a I still haven't done the new season of Mandalorian yet. Oh, it's it's solid. It's really good. <laughs> that that was a highlight of 2020. That that and man fucking Cobra Kai was just a fucking delight to find <laughs> during quarantine. Just a karate kid reboot. You know, I it's <laughs> funny you say that. I heard someone talking about Cobra Kai the other day. Uh, and referencing Johnny from Karate Kid as a semi-victim. And I got to be honest, <laughs> I never saw it like that. You know, I, I, I watched Karate Kid. I took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. I was like, Johnny's the villain. But then I really stepped back, right? And I think about it. I'm like, whoa, Daniel? A little bit of a shit talker. Yeah. A little bit of a shit stirrer <laughs> who went right after his girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't like, get anybody like, asses beat. Yeah, I'm just, you know, and 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 then Johnny, you see him being manipulated, you know, by the, you know, older sensei and and you know, he was, you know, who knows what Johnny's back like like exactly. he was probably, you know, beaten by his father and then, you know, found this void with this, you know, uh with this sensei. So yeah, really, it really fucked me up. My whole thing about Karate Kid is kind of kind of different now. He Daniel is... Larusa, I got a cousin in Paramus. Like it's all changed now, you know. Oh, Johnny Lawrence, the perfect anti-hero mm. along that you know Sopranos, Better Call Saul kind of thing. So really, really, really well done. I empathize with Johnny now. I do. <laughs> All right, so my last one, I'm going to finish with something that I don't think a lot of people heard about, and it's a little bit of fun, okay? Yeah. So in June, we created the world's first three-dimensional eye. Hmm. It's the first spherical artificial eye with a 3D retina, and it raised the possibility of bringing vision to humanoid robots oh, and new hope to patients with visual impairment. So they developed the eye. They say its capabilities way better than existing bionic eyes. And the uh, key feature allows a 3D artificial retina made of an array of nanowire LED sensors, which mimic the photoreceptors in human retinas. We, now I know I talked about this jokingly in the last episode when we were talking about um, the sexual exploitation of people's nussies. Uh, <laughs> But sometimes I really am like if you do the right research and you decide to look the right way, human beings can be pretty incredible. And just like we've sexualized COVID tests, we also know how to create artificial retinas made of nanowire light sensors that mimic the photoreceptors in human retinas. It's fucking cool. And there's a lot of people who could really help. And uh, yeah, I'm amazed by it. And I, and and it's a, a great testament to human ingenuity especially in a year where you thought humans were just sitting here eating ourselves wait how the fuck is this sexual <laughs> no, no 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 i'm saying i'm saying last week yeah right 
I was very impressed oh, with, the human, with yeah. the human ingenuity to be able to take a COVID test and make it sexual. Now, I am also impressed with human ingenuity to do this eye. The eye is not sexual, okay. if I misled you. But it could be. I hope, I hope I'm the only one in the audience that took it the first way. As soon as you brought up the sexual part, I was like, where the fuck is Listen, this Listen, Denny, someone <laughs> somewhere in the history of time has had sex with an eye hole. Someone's done it. All right, my last story of 2020 <laughs> is, you know, the rise of TikTok and the stir that it caused this year, created in conjunction with the... Chinese government, a lot of talk about data this year, who gets what. And, you know, you kind of, we, we talked a lot on this podcast about what's going to sell the Microsoft, what's going to sell the Oracle. I think Walmart even got involved with it at some point. And then the story kind of fades away, but TikTok, you know, they begin advertising yeah. more on, on, on TV. You know, mm -hmm. the government, it goes out of their purview. So, you know, I just think, and Kids are using it more and more than they've ever before. Songs are continuing to go viral on there. And, Benny, I don't know if you know this or not, because you 100% don't listen to Top 40 Radio. All of the songs that are <laughs> on, like your Z100s and stuff like that right now, they're these TikTok songs. Is that so, right? yeah, so we've reached right. this point with music where it's like go viral on TikTok, and that's how you're starting careers. So it's just this interesting chasm of culture, politics, and it's not going away. It's slowing down. 2021, they're pro probably going to double their user base. So a real area for influence. So the the TikTok story and where it continues to go, 2021, I'm looking out at that because I think, you know, it's going to be an, an area where these companies are going to continue to mine, mine your data. And you can't even reclaim it anymore because that ship has sailed. So the data... The influence of TikTok on Gen Zs, on some some millennials that are still trying to stay hip like myself. So uh, the rise, fall, and the I guess the reemergence of TikTok as a cultural force is my number one story of 2020. It's pretty big. Yeah. And every time we talk about something like this, one of the first thing in my head goes, Jesus Christ, I shouldn't put out new music anymore. I have no idea what to do with it. You know what I mean? I would be like, yo, I got a flyer for my show and a MySpace page. Will you guys come? If, if I ever start anything like that again, I'm going to have to hire some kid. Cause, oh. cause it's done. It's done for me. Done for me. I'm, right. I'm I'm officially the I'm officially the way of the rotary phone. At this point. Oh, no, no, that's not true. You you're doing a podcast. There that's you go. True. But be sure to if if you want to get in on the conversation, tweet at us at the TuneUp HQ. Uh, get your favorite stories of 2020 in there. Email us at the tune up podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll round it up when we reconvene in 2021. Follow us, find all of our content at the tune up HQ on Twitter and Instagram. Last call on our holiday drive. We're extending it, it one more week. Do it. We've already raised over 600 meals for the Community Food Bank of New Jersey. I mean, we're feeding people this holiday season. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone who's donated so far. Let's try to uh, end strong and get a, get a couple more meals out there to people. Absolutely. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz. One, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I am at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, got anything else? 
I do. I'd like to say rest in peace to a young man named Pat Harrington, local surfer in Long Beach Island who was battling cancer for a long time, inspired a lot of people. Uh, he was he was a kind guy. I met him. I texted with him and he um, finally succumbed to his battle right before Christmas. Very sad thing, but he inspired a lot of people, myself included. And I want to give a shout out to him and his family. Be like Pat. Inspire people in the new year. You've been listening to The Tune-Up.